This is Sarah Koenig, host of The Serial Podcast. I want to tell you about our new show, Nice White Parents. Reporter Hannah Jaffe-Waltz spent years looking into this one middle school in her neighborhood. She investigated the school's history and finally realized she could put a name to the unspoken force that kept getting in the way of making the school better. White Parents. How white parents can mess things up for everyone else without even knowing it. Nice White Parents is made by Serial Productions, a New York Times company. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? It's Lee, otherwise known as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kind of Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in again. This week on the podcast, we have a great guest that I just recently found out about. Perhaps I'm late to the party. Some of you guys probably already know her. Her name's Nilo. Some great things are happening for her right now. Like, I think... uh, Billboard just named her like the number one up and coming artist and like Mac Miller has sampled her for a beat or used a beat that sampled her and like Nas loves her and shouts her out and uh, I don't know it's crazy like her music's really fucking good and I'm excited about it. It was awesome because she just like contacted us about it and was like yeah I, I like the videos and I like the podcast and I just want to come on I was like sick let's do it. So I'm stoked about that. First things first, like I said, I'm Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter, at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery, at I am Database, based with two S's. You can follow us as a unit, at That's Kinda Neat. Like I always say, I don't really tweet that much from That's Kinda Neat. I just kind of let you guys know when the episodes are live. They're live every Wednesday morning. So you should just follow me just to like let us know that you guys are listening because it's hard to gauge. So yeah, follow us on there. I won't bug you. I don't post that much. I won't blow up your timeline. And you'll look really cool being one of uh, our first followers. You can find everything on kindaneat.net. And you can, of course, see the video that we just recorded with Nilo on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash that's kind of neat. Today, I want to talk about some emo shit, maybe, I guess. During the conversation with Nilo, she brings up her folks split when she was pretty young. And, you know, she said she was kind of very already emotionally aware, but it was actually a kind of a good thing because her parents were fighting a lot when she was like around seven years old, which I related to because like my parents are still together to this day. They've been married close to 40 years. I'm not sure. It's like they were married for a while before I was born. So they've been together for a long time. But, you know, all relationships are tumultuous and go through ups and downs. And I remember when I was in first grade, I already remember like there was some fighting in the house. There's a lot of fighting. And I've always been a very like empathetic, somewhat sensitive kid. You know, I'm a cancer. We got tough outer shells, but we're squishy and soft and cuddly on the inside. We put on a good front, but we're very sensey. And so as a first grader, I remember hearing my parents fight and, uh, I got picked to be the lead in this play when I was in first grade out of all the kids in my school. There's about, you know, three or 400 kids in my elementary school. And out of all of them, I got picked to be the lead in the play. And it was called Sam, the sad clown. And I got picked to be Sam, the sad clown. And not only did I have like, you know, I was like the lead speaking part while there was like choirs behind me and shit, but it was also like, I had solo singing parts which is crazy because after that, I don't think I ever sang in public again uh, until my later life when I started doing it on stage. Like I was scared shitless to sing by the time I was in, in middle school for some reason. I don't know why. But at the time, yeah, I was doing like singing solos and acting and I was like, you know, all done up and I was the lead in this play. And now 
the way that the music teacher who picked me to be the lead in the play had me practice was she had the whole play recorded on tape so that I could like listen to the play. And rather than read along in a script, I would just like learn the lines that were Sam the sad clown and repeat them and practice them and practice them until I had them all memorized. And I was, I was pretty good at memorizing already by the time I was in first grade. And that was probably like, you know, an early sign that I was going to be decent at memorizing lyrics and raps and stuff. It's funny how you notice these things in hindsight. Uh, they start to make sense to you. But nowadays in my adult life, I record songs and, I, and oftentimes they deal with, you know, they're on like some of them are some emo shit. They're sad. They're they're contemplative. They're uh, I'm trying to find what the fuck life means to me in my music, I guess. I think it's very poignant that the very first thing that I ever recorded onto a tape was while I was practicing for Sam the Sad Clown, my parents started fighting in the kitchen. I was sitting in the living room and it was on one of those little like square cassette deck players where it's like you put the tape in on the top and then you press the button for play and there's like a speaker connected to it, but there's also a handle where you could pick it up. Not a boom box, like one of those flat ones, but you could record. And so they start fighting and I press record onto the tape that was belonged to my music teacher and it was a dub of Sam, the sad clown. And I, and I right in the middle of the play, it was just me going, my name's Lee and I'm in first grade. And this is what my house always sounds like. And then I just let the tape play and it's of my parents yelling at each other. And then at that point, they like notice that I'm recording. They look over the, what are you doing? And I said, I'm recording you guys. And they're like, what the fuck are you? Oh my God, you're recording us fighting. What are you doing? Oh my God, and press stop. So they're freaking out, telling me to press stop, and I press stop. And they're in the, a complete fucking panic, you know? They're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Like, Lee's teachers are going to hear this. Like, this is terrible. And they're they're kind of like yelling at me on some like, why, did you, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And then I think when they see that I was kind of like trying to prove a point, they realized that they were in the wrong. And then they started scrambling to like, figure out what they were going to do to fix it. And my dad's going, Oh, well, you know, you can just like, there's these two things on the tape. And if you pop these two little things down, then you can't record on it. And, uh, my mom's like, but he already recorded it. So it's not going to erase what he recorded, you know? And she's like, we just need to sit here and figure out what was getting said right there. And we just need to dub it back over. And I think that's what they did. I don't quite remember, but just in hindsight now as an adult, I find that very poignant that the first thing that I ever recorded on a tape when I was in first grade was me trying to like point out some emotional shit because now that's what I do all the time. Like whether it's with songs or whether it's like trying to get to the root of some emotions in a podcast or whatever, like that was the fucking first thing I ever recorded. And here I am. However many years later, a lot of years later, Still doing that shit. And so I feel like I've told this story before. And I, so I apologize if you guys have heard it before. But yeah, whenever uh, I was talking to Nilo about her parents fighting, that is the first thing that I thought of. And I'm not trying to put my parents on blast. They're very happy now. And, uh, you know, my mom does a great job uh, looking out for my dad and taking care of him. And things are great. But at the time, when I was in first grade, that's what happened. Oh, that was very emo. I'm sorry, guys. This is a downer way to start the podcast, but that's okay. We're going to get into the podcast with Nilo now. If you guys haven't heard of her, 
while you're listening, go check out her fucking SoundCloud page because her music is great. Big things are going to happen with Nilo very soon, I have a feeling. So enjoy the podcast and let me know what you guys think. Go leave some comments on our iTunes, like rate it five stars, subscribe. Go hit the comments on kindofneat.net, like comment and share the video with people online. Sharing is caring. You guys remember that. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Nilo. I was going to say, like, I think that our email chain setting this up was maybe the most emails that I've sent back and forth <laughs> to set one of these up. I know. Because it's always different. It's different when you, um, when I'm trying to set up one with like a stranger that I haven't met. Because a lot of people that I do these with, I know them already or have right. met them previously. Right. So with a stranger, it's like a lot of emails. Was that, that was us actually talking, right? That wasn't like your peeps, that no, the manager. That was, me. You know, that was me. And that's probably why it was like that. Very personable. Because I was like, in Texas, and then I was during jury duty, and like, like. Why are you in Texas? Um, I had to go take care of some family shit. You have family in Texas. I do. What My part? mom is there. Um, Dallas and a area called Nacogdoches. Are you from Texas? I was born in San Antonio, but okay. not many people know that. I'm an Air Force brat, so I was born. Oh no way. Born on Lackland. I'm sort of like you would think I was an Air Force brat or an Army brat of some kind because I moved so many times. Yeah. But um, it was really just like a product of indecisive parenting more so than the army yeah <laughs> but i lived in texas for a brief amount of time but my mom's whole half of the family is all from the south and from texas yeah so you like some barbecue or are you veggie are you vegetarian i was a veggie until you, you look kind I of had, vegetarian i'm not anymore now yeah. i eat everything but that was because i sort of got it from a couple doctors that i was gonna die if i didn't start turning my opinions of protein around like literally <laughs> i got so thin and so sick and really? i couldn't like like, I'm pretty thin now, and I was much lighter than this. You're pretty thin. And yeah. I just, like, kept losing weight, and I was not doing anything right as far as being a vegetarian is concerned because I just ate what I wanted, which was pasta and fruit. And mm. nowhere in there is there anything substantial, like right. any kind of protein at all. So I just would be, like, kind of tired, and I would get – if there was a cold to be had, I would get it. How long ago was this? Um, I stopped being a vegetarian, like – I would say maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. What was the inspiration to become a vegetarian? Was it like... You know, I'd always lived pretty much a vegetarian life. Like, I didn't grow up eating tons and tons of meat. My mom and I eat really light. Um, but she would put some chicken in food here and there. And, but it was always, like, pretty... It was always pretty light. And then... Um, one of my friends was a vegetarian and he smoked and he wanted me to be a vegetarian. And I said, okay, well, like, I'll make a deal with you. If you stop smoking, I'll be a vegetarian. Which kind of worked for me because being a vegetarian was going to be super easy because I pretty much and lived that way anyway. Hard. And smoking was really hard. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. I'm currently trying to quit smoking and I've been such an asshole for the past few days because like, I get very moody when Ooh, I try to quit. It's first terrible. week is really bad. Yeah, yeah. So I hadn't had one in three days and then Ben smoked. So I was like, Ben, I need a cigarette. And he's like, are you sure you want me to give you one? I know. And I said, motherfucker, if you don't, I'm going to choke slam you. <laughs> so give me a fucking cigarette. That's no. such a tough thing as a friend because you want them to like get the end goal that they want. At the uh, same he's, time, he like... secretly hates me anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a big deal. So you went veggie and uh, yeah. for how long? How many years? I was vegetarian for like three years. For three years. But then you just got bone thin, wayfishly thin. People were scared for you. Yeah, I mean... Did you eat cheese? Oh, yeah, I wasn't a vegan. I still ate cheese. I so, love cheese. So, I mean, you could always just munch on pizza, I guess. You know, there's a lot of ways to do it, right? I just failed at all of them. Yeah. I just 
like I said, I put no thought into it. I drank water, ate pasta like three times a day and fruit. And there's nothing in bread. I would have bread, yeah. but all those things like turn into sugar in your system right away. And like you pretty much. Well, I'm glad you're back on the meat train. I feel like yeah. it's more fun. <laughs> it's a more fun lifestyle to be able to eat a nice steak once in a while. You know, that part's nice. is just like the ease of it going to places and knowing that like if they're serving something, yeah. I don't have to make their life kind of difficult. Right, I right. mean, like, yeah, I don't eat that. Or they make a salad with no chicken and a salad with chicken yeah, yeah. and the pasta with no chicken and pasta with chicken. Right. So what, uh, why were your parents so nomadic? What were they doing? It was, I think they're just kind of free spirited people to a degree, like wherever they were working at the time we would go there cause it's easier than commuting. And for a long time I'd super loved it cause I was like, oh, I get to meet all these people, get to go to all these different places. Um, and we stayed close enough, like all of this was in and around Chicago and we stayed close enough that like, I didn't lose any friends. I just kept gaining new Chicago ones. is where you were born. I'm from Chicago, yeah. Okay. And then somewhere in the middle of that, we went to Texas for two years, and then it wasn't so fun for me. How old were you when you ended up there? I was 16. Oh, okay. So you spent your whole, like, formative youth in Chicago. Yeah. And then you have to pack up and move to the South. Right. And Texas is a different kind of place. That's exactly the problem. Yeah. It was just such a culture shock, and I was so used to kind of doing what I felt and speaking my mind and doing things differently, and I was in a pretty liberal area, and then I moved to Texas to, like, really the most conservative area that we could have been to period and we also went to like a very conservative and really really upper class area and i'm not from that so we were like in this like shitty apartment complex districted with this like with one of the richest per capita areas in mm, the country yeah and so it was just that the priorities were just and, different. And the, and the richer it is the redder it is politically Ooh, yeah they were you know pretty they were pretty serious yeah yeah stuff. no it's funny the uh before we started recording, we were talking about me getting tickets in Hollywood when I was dating a girl there. She was from Texas. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of our relationship, when it was getting a little too serious, she was like wanting me to move to Texas because that's where she was from. And I'm going, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> like, I cannot live in Texas. Like, No offense to Texas, but I'm yeah, it's not for it's not for me. And I feel like it's it's a strange place if you're a liberal artsy fartsy person. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really put on like my most normal clothes there like like clothes being a figurative term not really clothes but like I was trying to be the normal version of me and I still felt like people were always like I was just always not really what people wanted me to be so Mm -hmm. I figured that out too just recently I went home to visit my mom Mm -hmm. home being where my mom is she stayed there she's there right now because her mom is there and she's kind of taking care of her so she said that until until she doesn't need to be taking care of her mom she's gonna be there because I keep trying to bring her here. Yeah, you think she'll move out here afterwards? Um, I don't know. I think she's in a place right now where like her focus on in life is taking care of her mom, and once that's out of the way, she's probably going to figure like have to learn how to take care of herself, right? And then decide what she wants, right. and then maybe it's to go back to Chicago and be with some of her friends there. Maybe it's to come here and let me take care of her. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Where's dad fit into this equation? My dad is living in Las Vegas right now, but he just moved there from Chicago not too long ago because he wanted to work on a computer program and he wanted to get, you know, a place with low rent kind of thing. And he also, he's a big fan of the heat, so it works out for him. Wait, why? What do the heat have to do with Vegas? Well, Vegas is hot as... Oh, the heat. I thought you were talking about the Miami no, heat. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's a... No, he's a fan of hot weather. That was and so the he fucking goes bro jock and me coming out. That's all right. Yeah. Okay, so he's a fan of hot weather. Yeah, that so makes, his a, that's house a, that's a hot is place like, to live. 
kept it in 90 degrees all the time. That's crazy. I can't take that shit. Mm -hmm. Um, what age did your folks split up? Assuming that they split up. Yeah. Um, I was seven, seven. Oh, so was it a big deal for you or like, did it make sense at the time? They fucking hated each other. So I was like, great idea. You guys really shouldn't be together anyway. They were yelling a lot at the time. Oh God. They like, it was horrible. And I was totally like, obviously when you grow up with something, that's what your normal is. So I, it wasn't a big deal, but when they decided that they were going to get a divorce, I remember the conversation. They looked at me like I was going to be super just wrecked. And so I cried for their sake. Cause it seemed like I was supposed to, but I remember thinking like, why is this bad? Right. They don't like each other anyway. Right. The more distance between the two of you, the better. Right. And then, um, so you're very logical already as a seven year old. Well, I was, at least on an emotional level, I was pretty advanced because I remember, and they talked to me about this, and this is part of the reason why I was so close to my dad is because they would get in fights and I would kind of mediate them. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Mom, this is what he's trying to say. I know mm-hmm. he's not saying this, but this is what he's trying to say. And I would go up to my dad and say, like, this is how she feels when you do this. Mm-hmm. And if you just did it like this, maybe she wouldn't feel that way. And so I kind of, like, would be able to give them perspective at a young age just being, like, a third party. Yeah, young, young Dr. Phil. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Killing you. I've been that way my whole life. I still I still do that with my friends. Really? I like it though. Yeah. I never wanted to ever be like a psychiatrist or anything, but at least on like a ground level I can usually see where people are coming from. Right. I feel like my folks fought a lot when I was kids and they were gonna divorce around the time that I was seven and they never did because my mom comes from like a um she came from a broken home. She didn't want to put her kids through that. A lot of times I kind of honestly, I wish they would have divorced, but uh, (laughs) my point is, is that uh, it has definitely affected my relationships as an, as an adult. Do you find Mm -hmm. that your parents splitting up at that age have affected your adult relationships? Um, I think the problem, if I was going to find a problem with it, it would be that I didn't have enough exposure to relationships that did work. Absolutely. So I have no context for what a loving relationship looks like. Mom never got remarried? My mom and my dad actually never touched another person. Never touched another person? Mm, neither one I of don't know. Dad's dated. living in Vegas. I mean, come no, on. He's not, no, he wasn't living in I'm Vegas just kidding, at the time. No, he tried to date and it just like, he never really found anything, despite the fact that he would never admit this, but like my mom was one of the best things that ever happened to him. Right. And he hated her. So after after they split up, it was like, they just continued to like live in the past that they had with each other and just kind of hate the opposite sex, I feel like. Mm. And so um, even I just saw my mom just recently because I was there. Were they the each same. other's first love? No, huh. no. Huh. They were just probably the worst love that they... It's Look so at you hard. writing lyrics right now. <laughs> They're not the first, Jeez. but the worst. I remember like the first time I kind of like really fell for somebody and I cared about them so much I remember thinking oh my god my parents liked each other like this once right it, and it was it can only so go, weird to it think can only about. go down from there right I yeah. mean not necessarily and I think that's just like that's just our perspective because that's what we saw no, absolutely Some people I, love I, each other I, I have those same fears I'm like oh man shit is so great right now it's gonna suck really bad when this but that's when this why because you believe that yeah I manifest it perhaps well so I'm saying do you manifest that shit no. No? That, no. Well, that's not good. Anymore. That's solid then. Not anymore. That's good. I definitely learned like my tendencies and like saw the patterns that I was kind of recreating from my parents' lives. And I was like, no, 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 stop. So I just like, I can see, I can see it happening. But at the same time, like it takes two people in any situation. 
it takes two people and both people have to like be able to maintain and, and have a vision of like their perfect relationship or it's going to have problems or it's going to fail. So like if one person was in there like, yeah, like I could love you forever. And the person's like, eventually we're going to fucking hate each other. Yeah. Then the relationship's still going to probably fall apart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I read this old quote where it's like the person in the relationship that loves the least is in control of the relationship. You know what I'm saying? If, yeah. if one person is more in love, they always get to wear the pants or they all, they never get to wear the pants is what, it, what that is. I don't Unless, know. Why, I, don't, I, I don't know why I'm trying to talk about relationships. I'm terrible at them. So like, <laughs> I have no idea why I'm preaching, but, uh, you have a good outlook on it. It sounds like, I mean, I try, but I can't tell you I know any better than anyone else. I just, just try. (laughs) So you moved to Texas when you're 16. I feel like I'm hearing like a little bit of a Texas accent sometimes. Did did you pick Uh, up on that? Um, uh, hopefully not. A little tiny bit. You don't hear it. Well, you know what I did do is I lost the Northern accent because, and this is definitely not like, uh, you know, Bears, hawks, socks, bulls, you know. Kathy Sacker, mom. Yeah, the, the bears. <laughs> oh, gosh. I didn't even know that that was an accent until I lost it. And then I was talking to one of my friends, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. That's what I sounded like. Yeah, yeah. And now, to this day, like, if I talk to anybody from home, like, it's over. I, I, I will leave the room because I don't want people from here knowing, that, like, hearing that accent come out because I don't like it at all. I love it. I think it's so funny. Uh, sh- <laughs> no. I, fucking one of my good um, rapper homies is this dude Serengeti. Have you ever heard of him, Serengeti? Yeah, yeah he has that fucking song. Uh, he has a song under the pseudonym Kenny Dennis, and it's like all of, in that thick Chicago accent, and it's like amazing. I love it. Oh my gosh. Uh, anyways, I think it's a hilarious accent and it's tight. But <laughs> growing up in Chicago, what's that like? Like looking back, I'm sure it was normal at the time, but like in hindsight, how was it? How do you think um, it was different from other people? I think having exposure to a big city at a young age will definitely like give you some perspective mm-hmm. because I got to see like every kind of person that could ever exist mm-hmm. by the time I was four, you know? Like, what I sort was, of big city is it? Is it? It's not like New York big, is it? Is there. Chicago's a lot like New York. It's smaller than New York, obviously, but um, it's got all the aspects of big, major. Metropolitan and it's area. crazy right now there. Like, it's been really bad lately. Did it feel safe growing up there? I mean, it depends on where you are yeah. at any point. I think when we had our first place in the city, we lived on the south side, which was a really, really, really dangerous neighborhood. And um, my brother is like this blonde haired, blue eyed baby. And we were getting like the notes on the front door that said that they were going to kill the Orion baby. Like we had to move out. Yikes. And so obviously my mom had a heart attack like every time and had to get out. So we moved someplace else in the city and it was a little safer. So that obviously didn't feel too safe at all. And then, um, when my parents split and my dad had his place downtown, he like lived in a sort of nice area. And then right on the other side of the block it was a completely terrible area so it it depends on where you are and where you go but i always like had this feeling that i was invincible that it was cool that i was supposed to live and if i was gonna die i was gonna die so i wasn't too worried about it that's a very positive outlook i I mean i wasn't like super like conscious of it It yeah if i was supposed to die i figured i would and i wouldn't be able to stop it so very zen tried not to fight the neighborhood too much what were your schools like growing up like very um diverse Uh, well the first time i was going to go to like an inner city school um was when i was 16 i was going to go to lincoln park high school which was like a magnet why were you homeschooled as a kid no 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 but Uh, i was going to school in the suburbs okay by my mom's preference which was cool so i had like i spent all the weekends in the city and then i spent all like the week during like during school week i got to go to like 
these little small town type schools. Even when we moved around, it was always kind of in the same kind of vein. Uh-huh. But then by the time I was going to go to Lincoln Park, which was seriously the most exciting thing ever because it's this magnet arts high school that people come from all over to go to. Yeah. To learn and like focus in on arts at a young age. And obviously the best band ever, too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I don't know if they went there. But <laughs> but no, so it's like an art. It's like a public school, but it's like known for its arts programs or what? It's, it's like a magnet high school. Oh, so okay. you, you auditioned to get in. And yeah, like yeah. Getting in alone was like one of the bigger successes that I thought I had as a kid. So awesome. I was pretty excited. And then got shipped to Texas. Oh, so right when you get accepted into like your dream high school, you get yes. shipped off. That sucks. That's terrible. I was really upset Yeah, you were bummed. It. So you moved to Texas. Were you already singing at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when did you start singing? Like as a little girl? I mean, I think everyone sings all the time. It's just the people, certain people decide that they're good at it and they, that they want to like pursue it as a career. But every place else in the world, like they sing and dance their whole lives and it's not a career choice. What are your earliest singing memories? I feel like I always just sang with everything and just, I was alone a lot because my parents worked a lot and uh-huh. um, so I would be sitting places and I would just sing to myself while to like I waited. To calm yourself? No, just like while I waited because I didn't have anything else just to do. bored? Yeah, I was bored. So I would like just hum or sing or whatever. Yeah. And then I have more even than singing, I always kind of felt drawn to the writing stuff, like yeah. the writing side of it and and I would just always write poems and like these like whimsical fairy tales about like girl meets guy works out blah blah blah. So I mean, if there's any type of fairy tale that I'm trying to read, it's whimsical. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that is the type of fairy tale that is the best in my opinion. Well, I was um, all about it. Yeah, so you're that's good. I would have loved those whimsical tales, but <laughs> I still have pretty much all of them. I think like in folders and folders of like loose leaf paper. That's tight. Those will be worth money someday. And napkins. I mean, I don't know if I would ever let anyone see them, but. Maybe. Part of your estate. Um, <laughs> so were you a big reader as a kid too? Like was your vocabulary uh, uh, above average as a child? Yeah, I was definitely, I was a pretty smart kid. My dad was all about like, he was so convinced that he was going to have birthed geniuses. So we were like by third same. grade, he was like, just skip them to high school. Yeah. They're good. Just no, my kids off. are going to be the same for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. My mom was like, can they please have a normal childhood? Right. You know? And, right. um, but yeah, by like third grade, my brother and I both were like testing through all the programs, like clearly like past ninth grade level of everything. So my dad like was like, just send him, send him there. Wow. But I was already in elementary school a year before I was supposed to be uh-huh. because he wanted me to be. Really? And um, at that point it was like, uh, I think, I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a double edged sword skipping grades because um, even if you're, intellect is ready for that your, your emotional capacity might not be and, oh and like it's also just tough to be the youngest kid at your school because like people are not gonna want to hang out with you well you know it was fine everything was fine the only time i ever like looked back and realized that my age had anything had any kind of effect was like i remember i just didn't really care about boys mm-hmm. and my friends kind of started to care yeah and i remember them like being so excited they'd tell me like stories like oh, so i was hanging out with so-and-so and we did this and I would be like, you let him do what to you? You have cooties oh now. My God. I was like, oh my, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> what? Why did you let him do that? Are you okay? I was so, I was like, just so convinced that that was the worst thing that ever had happened to a person. That's fucking funny. And then as I grew up, I was like, oh, okay, so that's normal. All right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the first time I was just like, guys were just the, these, they were just there. Had nothing. Didn't like have anything how, to do how many me. grades did you skip? 
I only skipped just, one. Oh, just the one. Yeah. Oh. I mean, and it wasn't like I skipped a guy. I started early. You started early. Yeah. I started yeah. Yeah. Year, yeah. Same. I started a year early too. Yeah. And I like, other than that, I was so, so happy that I had. That didn't really affect me in a negative way. Just that was the only time I ever noticed that there was an effect. Cause I was just like, I don't know what these girls are yeah, the on only, right now. The only really <laughs> shitty part about starting early is that I couldn't get a car till after everyone else. But that was the best. I didn't have to drive. Everyone drove, like drove. Oh, see, I loved, everywhere. I, I, I was like, well, you were a guy. I, can I was a guy. Different. And also I lived in a fucking state where if you don't drive, you're stuck at home all day. So it's like, I just got picked up. I was like, this is the best. Yeah. See, <laughs> I lived like 20 miles from a lot of my friends and shit. We were out in the sticks. So mm-hmm. like having a car was very necessary. You you know what sucked though hmm. i played soccer pretty much forever and soccer was based on your age and not your grade so mm. i was in the age group below so all be my JV. friends well no it wasn't oh because it's like uh u14 like u13 yeah, exactly yeah, so yeah. i was like what do you mean i'm not gonna be with my friends and and like yeah. all my friends were in the same soccer team and then i was with like these young kids like bummer yeah you're pretty tall like did you sprout early yeah, I was pretty tall. Yeah. Like, you must have been um, very intimidating as, like, a fucking six-foot third grader. <laughs> no, I'm not six feet. <laughs> but, uh, no, I did, like, I sprouted normal size. I think still, though, with the girls, when the girls start growing and the guys don't, I was, like, in that category of, like, wow, I'm, like, taller than all y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you moved to Texas, and you're heartbroken. And how do you I cope with it? Well... If there was anything that was distracting me from doing music all day, that was, you know, friends and a social life. And then once I moved to Texas, I completely lost that. So uh, had all kinds of time to write so songs. So you, you did what the <laughs> jazz musicians call shedding. You just locked yourself in, in, in your room and got better at what you did? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, it was, in hindsight, it's a positive thing. I think while it's going on, it was like one of the saddest times of my life just because I remember being... Up until like three or four in the morning every day and then having to go to school at six and then I would hate school and I wanted to be asleep and um, it's not like I had a couple of friends like I had none and I was trying to be nice. I don't think that I was like rude to people at all but are you people shy? just didn't like me yeah and i didn't like open up any conversations the thing is I- is that when you're shy and when you're pretty people just think you're bitchy do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, even though I it's not the actual like, intention, yeah. I think that can be a, a common misinterpretation. But I was really like super down to talk to people who wanted to talk to me. Just not very many people did. I feel you. And then I feel bad that I just said that because now you're looking down your body language, just saying like, "Oh, that was rude." That I, I no, uh, <laughs> I'm no, sorry. Just, it's one of those things you can't tell how people interp- like interpret you, and you don't know if you're if you're putting somebody. Like, you really don't know what thoughts right. are going through someone's mind at any given Absolutely. time. And I had people even, like, growing up, like, a year after we were friends, be like, man, before I knew you, like, uh, I thought you were like this. And I was like... You know what I'm saying? No way. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, uh, yeah. But, I mean, so you never know. Yeah, absolutely. People get the wrong ideas about shit just because, like, I get it. You know, it happens to me. Like, yeah. I'm a very good looking man. And all of a sudden, if I want to, <laughs> like, be in a corner not talking to nobody, everybody thinks I'm stuck up. And, so I'm, and it's wow, like... Oh, crazy. And it's like, I am stuck up, motherfucker. <laughs> You're right. No. Uh... <laughs> So you start writing a lot. Like, are you writing songs? Are you writing more poetry? Um, Did you grow both. up playing piano? I grew up loving piano, but I never had one. And then Texas was also one of the first times where I really had um, a lot of time with a piano because I found this church. So that was okay. Yeah, start from so, the beginning. You're good. Where to start? If this one's like they overlap, kind of like me being alone all the time, and people would be like, "So, do you have um, a church home?" What does that mean? Church home is a place where you like go to church every Sunday and like 
Oh. That's like your second home. They call it a church home? That's what they were saying. They're like, do you have a church home? Were you guys religious in Chicago? No. So did you have no. to like force yourself to become religious? Well, I didn't have to force myself. No one in my family was religiously motivated. Mm-hmm. My dad um, always maintained that he was an atheist. Mm-hmm. And my mom is spiritual, but just not in like a religious context. And so they were like, you ever been to a church? Um, and I was kind of like, well... I had been to a church and church was like really, really great. And it was always just like, that's where the cool music happens. And so I was like, no, no. And I thought this was a chance to make friends. So I was like, cool, I'll go to this church. It'll be, you know, churches, whatever. What kind of church They got good music. Baptist, of course. Oh yeah. Baptist does got good music. They do. Yeah. I went to Catholic church. They got very boring music. Do they? I mean, I kind of like that music too. So so dry. But these people were like up in their chairs dancing. Oh, that's tight. So I was like, I'll go to church with you. Yeah. I went to church and again, it was like one of those things where we were getting up super early and I was up. I've been a nocturnal person forever. Despite the fact that school happens early in the morning, I would just literally like be up and get like two hours of sleep and then kind of take a nap when I got home. And then once school was over, I finally like sort of like, oh, I was like, this is normal. I can stay up late. This is great. But so we went to church and the music happened. And then as soon as the pastor started talking, I fell asleep. Mm. And I remember once the music came back on, I woke back up and I looked around and I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for the person who brought me. They're probably going to get kicked out Mm. (laughs) for bringing this crazy girl in. They're like, Mm. we'll sleep during the service. And in fact, they didn't. Instead, she brought me back the next week. Uh, Same thing. Fell asleep. Yeah. And I did that for three weekends in a row. And like on the fourth weekend, I stayed awake and listened to the service. And I was like, oh, cool. This is cool. Music's great. Whatever. And then church became like a really big part of my life at that point. Because those are the only people that really talk to me. Uh. Um, and I like they were talking to me out of their godly duty to save my soul. But I was just enjoying the atten- like the company. Yeah. So I kind of like started getting involved with the the choir and all the kinds of stuff that like the church had to offer. And then through that... They um, have pianos all over the church, like in every room. So once the service was over, I would just stay. They would empty out the whole building and I would just stay and play piano for a couple hours. You just got to teach yourself? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I I had no, I knew how to read music. I learned how to read music because I felt like that would be my way into understanding, like in being a better musician was to know how to read. And then how did you teach yourself to read music? I mean, you can look it up in a book. It's like a very you just basic. like taught yourself. Well, I mean, I feel like hey, you're you're making it sound easy. That's like it that's, is easy. That there's sounds like kind of hard. One staff. There's notes that go with each yeah. line and each bass, and you just memorize. I them. knew how to read music at one point in fifth grade, but I had to take band for a year to figure it out, and then I got tired of carrying around my baritone. So I was like, you I can't. Sax? No, the baritone, baritone, like the fucking big tuba motherfucker. Like, oh. yeah, and I, and carrying it through the snow was not the shit. And so I, I like I knew how to read music, but I've since long forgotten, and I've never taught myself how to do it again. <laughs> But I mean, as a child, as a kid, to teach yourself, that sounds like you had, um, uh, that's a pretty strong desire to, uh, to want to learn something. I did. I really wanted to know. I wanted to be able to. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. Know my craft, which yeah. I had, I realized that that was my craft, and that I wanted to be really good at it because I wanted to like go and like be able to just like 
jam with like great musicians and mm-hmm. be and at the time too i was like okay i'm a girl like i can't go in there and just kind of like flippantly go after this because no one's gonna take me seriously like i gotta actually know my shit mm-hmm. and i do like luckily i've been studying music my whole life as a result and mm-hmm. i know how to record i know how to engineer i know how to produce i know how to play multiple instruments and all that kind of stuff comes in really handy when i, I can write with anybody that's time you know which is a great feeling Hell and yeah. that's what I like as a kid I was like that is gonna be how it is for me and I have that so that's cool that is cool but my question is you're going to church all the time you say you got very involved like did the power of the Lord strike you like did you oh, become yeah. a strong believer is this oh, something yeah. that you held on that you held on to to this day or no <laughs> okay so here I am going to this church all the time and like I'm listening and I'm like tr- and like these people are so nice and so wonderful and so like I'm like okay so is this the difference like why why are they so much happier than everybody else? And so I was like, maybe there's something to this. So I started reading the Bible all the time and um, kind of was like, all right, this is my shit. Like, this is what I'm doing. And against the will of my entire family. I like that. This Bible, this is my shit, though. This is how, that's how I always was. Like, <laughs> so I was like, this is my shit. It's though. such a contradiction at no, all no. times. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to be the best at this, too, then. And I'm going to read this whole Bible cover to cover. And that was the, the where I ended up running into problems was because I continued to read the Bible and I kept coming across things that I was like, oh, uh, I just don't know about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, it was really difficult to be like, Baptists take every word and there is no error. There are no mistakes. There's nothing wrong. And yeah. so I'm like, if I'm finding things that I find like that intrinsically like go against the way I feel and think and believe, then uh, maybe I'm not a Baptist. Right. So like, I'm not a Baptist a Christian. I really like definitely have a really strong, like I base most of my actions off of like spiritual motivations and like, and believe in God. And I believe in a lot of things that the Bible teaches. I just don't believe the same things about them. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Like Jesus, he was a real cool dude. But, he was a, a gifted healer. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was, you know, he was did miracles. He was, and good, he was a good leader. He was tight. He was cool. He was tight. Yeah. So, Don't. but, but I agree. Like I can't really, I, I was raised Catholic and, um, there was actually a point where I was like a little kid and I would read my children's Bible and like I was an altar boy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, no funny business went down as an altar boy. So don't worry about that. Don't you guys don't have to tweet. I was definitely wondering that. Well, I, no, somebody would tweet me and go, aha, you're a fucking <laughs> altar, altar boy. boy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hubba hubba. But like, no, none of that, none of that, none of that, none of that funny business. But there was a point in my life where I was like, you know what? I think that I like Catholicism. I'm going to be a priest. That was like one of my first things. And like, wow. what a silly kid, because I'm like pre- pretty much the exact opposite of a priest at this point. <laughs> And then, yeah, I don't know. I started questioning it at, like, uh, at a pretty young age, and, and it was the same thing. I just – mine was more like reading about historical stuff. I'm like, yo, Catholics did some fucked up shit. Like, right. Catholics are crazy. <clears throat> and it was kind of the same reaction where – Yeah. Know. I don't want to talk about anyone's religion oh, yeah, and, and break it down. No, but uh, I, I totally understand because I – Yeah, like, that's smart. Like you you got an image to uphold. <laughs> like, well, I, I, I don't. I not no really. Ima- yeah, yeah. No one really cares what I do, I think. I think. I'm sure people will soon. I keep, (laughs) I hear good things. I feel like you're like on, you're on the upswing. That's why I was very surprised when you left a comment on the blog, a hundred percent full disclosure. The way that I found out about you is like one day I was looking um, at the kind of neat blog and there was a comment on there in the about section that was like, Hey, I like your blog and the videos are cool. You should email me. (laughs) And it had like a link 
to your email and I was and I'm like, what is this? And and usually when people do that, it's a lot of times terrible. Like I get a lot of inbox to stuff going, hey man, I want to be on your podcast, dog. And I'm like, oh god damn it. That's um, kind of what I did. Though. I was like, um, can you can I talk to you? <laughs> right, right. And so that's the thing is that I'm a bit of an internet sleuth, and so like I start right. looking around and like it takes me to your Twitter, and I go, whoa, forty thousand Twitter followers. Why is she hitting me up? I'm like, these must be fake. These must be, she must have paid for these. But then I look at the SoundCloud and it's like, all the songs are like super cracking. And I start listening. I go, whoa, <laughs> shit. Like, why is this? Like, this is so tight. And so, uh, yeah, so I just found out about you. And, and yeah, I'm stoked that you hit me up. And I think your music is tight. And so then I start asking around and, and like, everybody's like, yeah, dude, you haven't heard of Nyla? Like, she's about to blow up. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So yeah, uh, when uh, in Texas, like you started, taking the music more seriously and like recording stuff and then do, do labels notice you out there or something or like what happened no um i never really ever in my mind sought after label stuff because it was like this it's like less likely to get a label deal than it is to win the lottery you Absolutely. are more likely to win the lottery so i was like fuck that i don't really need them for anything so i was like all i have to do is make a certain amount of money to like survive and then i can just do music and and i'll be good and so that's literally what i've done forever and then the last year and some change i've lived completely off of music and that was the best thing ever when did you go from being the girl practicing the piano in church to like recording your music and like finding your sound and and like taking it seriously as a career what age was that I think the first time that I ever recorded something at a professional studio I was 16 and I had been playing these shows around town and somebody came up to me after and they were like hey I want to record your record and I was like dope I've been waiting for someone like you I have all these songs and I don't have a place to record them and at the time I had gotten a MacBook so that I could record these like songs. Like on GarageBand? Yeah. And so... <laughs> Were you like uh, playing just on like a little keyboard yeah, at open so mics? Yeah, just me and the piano that they had at the, the coffee shop okay. or wherever I was playing. And um, What kind of songs were they at the time? Um, All, all just piano and vocals and they were pretty angry. They were angry? Uh, yeah. Like, so they weren't like sweet love songs? No. Yeah. Not very often. What were you angry at at that time? I think I was just... I was really mad at a specific person in my life and um, felt like they were just a piece of shit and they had a big effect on me and me feeling like a piece of shit. So I was like, all right, that was pretty much the conversation that I had in every song. And in hindsight, you know, I'm so glad that um, I got over that because my songs are way, way better now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was most like all of these songs were literally just like I felt like they were just like word vomit where I was just like, this is how I feel. Ugh. And I would like sing it and I sounded, I sounded pretty similar as I sound now. It was just like me and the piano and I had all these like really complicated like piano parts written and it was just like very much like singer, songwriter, piano, vocal. That was everything. And, and then when I got my MacBook, I was like, I'm going to be a producer. (laughs) So I started learning how I got reason. Yeah. And I started making like arrangements for everything in reason. What were your inspirations at the time? Like what is the music that you grew up on? Um, Other than the Baptist pretty, Church, I think it's it was pretty diverse because at that point I had friends that were listening to a lot of stuff like um, things you wouldn't expect. Like all the all the friends that I had were introducing me to like alternative rock music, like Radiohead and Mars Volta, some like jammy bands. Because from Chicago, like all those kids listen to like Fish, String and, Cheese like, incident. Oh yeah, I still have friends now that like travel across the country <laughs> all the time just following String Cheese, and that was kind of like 
in combination with these like classic singers like Stevie Nicks and Whitney Houston and my dad kind of introduced me to like Stevie Nicks's of the world and then my friends were introduced me to this like kind of rock music and so I was taking like lyrical inspiration and guidance from like the greats like Stevie Nicks is so oh my gosh so amazing and so that with like just like rawness of fucking like Mars Volta Mm -hmm. and and like the weirdness of Radiohead and kind of like smushing them together and trying to make those like crazy like Radiohead type drums obviously I wasn't like the best at it in the world but I was like producing these full arrangements and um I didn't have money though so I didn't have an interface or a microphone so I was using the internal microphone and like I remember because you got to make do with what you got you do and I didn't even know like I didn't know how it worked at the time I just knew like oh I need a microphone so (laughs) the microphone and the computer like it peaks really easily oh yeah and so I was singing the quiet parts and then I would run to the back of the room and I would sing the loud parts and then I would sing the quiet parts up close to the mic and then I'd run back. And I just like, I literally just had this conversation with my mom and we were laughing about it because now I have like, I'm all set up and I got compressors and everything. So I don't need to do that anymore. But it's just funny because I didn't even think that there was anything wrong with that. That's just right. how it, it had to be done. Yeah. I remember the first time like recording raps with a friend in our dorm room, it was like, we just had a Radio Shack mic. We didn't have a mic stand, so we like made mm-hmm. one out of like tape and a toilet paper roll and mm-hmm. our uh, bunk beds. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh yeah, like you just gotta make do. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, ugh. you just want to, you want to fucking hear the ends. Sometimes end kids hit me up asking for advice, and they're like, yeah, I can't afford any equipment. And it's like, okay, what do you need to afford? Like, fucking make what you have work. Whatever you have, yeah, figure it the fuck out because you can make it work. And you were making it work. I was, yeah, yeah. and I was loving it because yeah. I was at the end of whatever I was running around my room for, I would be able to sit back and listen to it. And the fact that the audio quality wasn't like really, really amazing had nothing to do with the fact that I was hearing something that I made. Right. It was a very gratifying feeling. It was, it was so, it was like the freedom in a place that I was very stifled. Like that kind of like just felt like something to hold on to. And then by, by the time I met this, um, engineer who came to my show how old was the dude he was probably 22 he's pretty young because he was in he was in recording school okay and that's why he was like i have free studio time yeah and he was a student so keep in mind these didn't come out like that awesome right (laughs) but i got to be in the studio and then i was like i met the person that owned it and it was kind of like hey uh can i just hang Mm -hmm. like do you care if i just watch do you care if I ask questions and then what's this do and why do you do that? And started kind of picking up little pieces of information here and there and just being able to be, to have an environment that I was really happy in. Um, my brother was a speed skater. Like that was his whole motivation and dedication in life. He was dedicated to this. Like if you don't know what speed skating is, it's, um, inline roller skates, but they've got five wheels and they're super fast. And they, Oh, he wasn't doing like not ice, not on ice. So he's no. like X Games speed skater type dude. No, because it's downhill, whatever. No, uh-uh. no. it's like on, a, on like a roller rink that people go and like uh. do their like Friday nights at. But they um, have these like five wheeled frames and, and they just and he was like nationally ranked and was that was his whole thing. And we always called him a rink rat. And I remember thinking, man, I wish I was a rat of something. I wish I had so like a home a and rat. I became a studio rat. That's and then tight. I was so happy. Like I just was there all the time. Yeah. And I couldn't drive because. Um, since we moved around a lot, I always missed driver's ed. And so I was taking like the bus, like three hours, both ways to get to this studio that was only like in a car, maybe 35 minutes away. Wow. And that became time to write. 
Um, on the bus? I probably did, right? I kind of always was writing. It was kind of always in my mind, but it wasn't even like, I was just like, I'm going to the studio. Right. <laughs> and then I would get it out, like, because when the bus was, I had to, like, do connections and stuff. I'd just get out and sit there and I'll wait. I didn't have a cell phone. Cell phones weren't, like, well... I think kids had them for sure, but I didn't have that much money. And my mom was like, if you want one, get one. You got to pay for it. Mm. So I was just like chilling. And then three hours would go by and then I'd be in like the paradise on earth. And then I would be there until my mom got off work and then I'd go home. <laughs> nice. And so that is where you got your studio chops up. That's where I got the introduction into it. I definitely spent a lot of time after that because then I got Logic, which is a different program reason never could record audio when i was using it before and logic can do everything and then i got um advice and i got an interface and i got a microphone so then i didn't need to do it this like when you work in a studio they have like those old school consoles and they have you know 100 channels and a lot of it doesn't apply to me now ever and uh-huh. it never really will because i'm not recording full bands often um most of the live instruments that i have go like either it's a voice and i go into an interface and compressor or it's a guitar and you go direct in so like all the reasons that i all the things that i was learning don't apply right unless i want to go record an orchestra okay which you never know but (laughs) right now right now i don't really need that kind of information but it was cool it was just the environment and it was the people and it was like the passion for music and like just the artistic side of of like the world and being around people that kind of got what i cared about having found your passion at such a young age and like and like being pretty like hell-bent and knowing that's what you were gonna do yeah did you feel alienated from kids your own age like um i guess i didn't really feel alienated i i definitely didn't feel like were you were you lonely like it sounds like a very uh productive escape but it still sounds like a bit of escapism no well this the kids at the studio were my friends they were just i think since i was probably like 16 once i moved to texas all my friends became like 26 and up uh. and i think about it now and i'm like damn it was really nice that they let me hang out with them because i was probably like this little kid that was like what's this do yeah. what's that yeah, but like yeah. they they let me hang out and uh and then once i kind of started living in california or kind of bouncing around on in california i met kids that were like me yeah that were motivated yeah because i imagine out here there are a lot of kids pursuing the same dream as you and in texas it's probably a bit harder to find yeah it was and i feel like most of them were probably in the same boat as me the ones that were maybe weren't so vocal about it because they would have gotten shot down a lot and um so they probably just kind of kept to themselves and maybe we never crossed paths but i'm sure i know that they're there because there's a lot of musicians from texas there's a lot of like big scene in austin huh oh yeah for sure yeah um Unfortunately, I didn't live in Austin. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I wanted to. Do you graduate from high school? I graduated from high school, but I did drop out. What brought you to dropping out? I was going to a place eight hours a day that I absolutely hated and learning things that I knew for a fact had nothing to do with my life. And um, by- I feel like this show is such a fucking bad influence on kid- like high school kids that listen because so many talented people have dropped out of high school, I'm learning. I'm like, it's crazy. But keep in mind, like, and I'll say this too for the people that are in that boat. While I was in school, I this is a great quote that my dad told me when I was really young and it stuck with me for the rest of my life. He's like, whatever you do, people are going to assume is the best that you can do. So while I was in school, I was killing it. I gave it 100%. Like, like in the most half-assed way that I could. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a hundred percent of what I had in me to give. And as a result, like I was incredible in school Mm -hmm. and it was like, because I felt like I had to, because I didn't want someone to assume that I couldn't do better. 
unless I really couldn't. And so I, I gave him out. But by the time I got to the point where like it was like emotionally unbearable and I was like staying up until four and like going through and like trying to even stay awake during classes, um, I dropped out. And because because of like the good standing that I was in academically, I had like all these people from the office calling me and like trying to figure out what I was going to do. My mom didn't even really say anything to me. I think she probably was happy that I made it as far as I did because she never told me what to do. I always kind of did whatever I felt and she always supported it because she said I was an adult and she wasn't home very often. So she wasn't going to be able to like enforce it anyway. So I was like, you know, if you want to do this, like you make your own decisions, like I'll tell you my opinion and then you can do what you want. But so I, um, I got to the point where I just, I just didn't go and then she didn't make me and then I didn't go and she didn't make me and I didn't go again. Then I was like, okay, I'm actually, I'm not going back. So I'm how do you end up actually graduating? Never going back. So the women from the office all got together and called me and they were, they, they were like, what are you doing with your life? Um, you are at you're the time like, I was bitch, in, I'm famous. No, <laughs> not even. <laughs> I was like, they were like, you're in the top 2% of the class. You can't drop out. Oh, sure. And I was like, um, that's awesome. I really have no aspirations for college. So mm. None of it really makes any sense anyway. Um, thanks for caring. They call me back. My mom and I drive up to the, to the school and like have a sit down with them. And, and I was like, here's the thing. I want to do music. And I know that from your perspective as an educator, you value education. And I value education too. And I'm not dropping out to not be educated. But I'm dropping out because it's actually conflicting with what I'm doing here. Right. You're already like going to fucking post-grad over here. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was already in college based off of like the AP class I was taking. I was like, I'm done. And and so I was like, look, I will do whatever it takes to graduate and get a diploma or whatever. Um, I just, I can't waste eight hours of a day doing something when I could be growing in a place that's valuable. And so they, like, I completely turned them all around and then they started like doing all this research to find me an alternative way to graduate. And they found an alternative way to graduate with my class where I got not only my GED, but I got a diploma and I just did it from home. And it was one of those things where here's the option and it's just really expensive. I was like, figures. Okay. So I had enough money to do two months of it. And so I had a year and a half of school left. Um, and I was like, okay, well, if I can do a year and a half of school in two months, I graduate. If I can't, I don't. Yeah. (laughs) And so I did school for like, Oh my God. Like 19 hours a day, every wow. day. I was reading like British literature books that were like 300 pages long and I was like knocking them out in two Ugh. days. And I Shout was just, out like, to Thomas Hardy. Just read and read and read and read and like, and do all this stuff. And, um, I actually pulled it off. Yeah. My mom and I were reminiscing about all this stuff. So all this is like kind of fresh on my mind, but she was talking to me because at the time, um, she wouldn't pay for it because she didn't like the idea that I wasn't going to school. So she was like, if you want to do it, you got to pay for it. And I was like, okay, fine. I do. No questions. I'm doing it. But in order to get to the school, it was like really far away and it opened at like eight o'clock. My mom had to drop me off at CVS at six o'clock in the morning to sit there in the pharmacy and wait for two hours before my school opened up because that was the only way that I could get there and she could get to work on time. Uh. And we were just laughing because I sat there every single morning for two hours, like the, I, no one ever said anything to me, but they probably were like, what is the deal with this kid? Like right. sitting here by herself, I would be reading a book or something. And then I would go to school and do whatever tests that I had to do that day. And then I would sit at that point. Other things were open besides CVS. And then I would sit at like the restaurant next door and just wait for like 
five hours until my mom came and got me again. That's so crazy. So just sitting around all the time. Yeah. Luckily, I had so much homework. I could just like be doing something while I was sitting there. But it's just I totally had forgotten that that was the way that it was. Because once I graduated, I never thought about school again. Yeah. At this point, when you're like going to the studio so much and stuff, were you seeking out like, okay, well, I need to find like an agent. Like I need to go to California. I need to do this. No, I didn't think I needed to go anywhere. I thought that maybe a manager would help. But everything I kept reading was like, you just got to do your own thing and then a manager will find you. Man, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I was like, that's a great point. I was like, basically, I have to do whatever I like what normal people do. And they're like, I like music. What do you do when you like music? You make songs and then you go perform them. So it's like, I'm just going to keep doing that. And then did you gather a local manager. following? Um, I did. I played at this place that had um, that had like an Internet broadcast and it broadcasted like 50 countries around the world so that was really cool and they had like a weekly thing and i would i would play there i would play there pretty regularly and that was the because of that place that was the first time my mom for like had ever kind of come to me and been like maybe there's something to this music thing because all the way up until that point like keep in mind my mom was like you're so good at so many things this is not one of them Oh, like, really? so maybe you should put your efforts into something that you're good at. Damn, mom, quit hating. I mean, my mom loves me, you know, she wanted me to be happy. And she right. was like, this is not the way it's going to happen. You're not yeah. going to be happy in this. Yeah. And my uh, mom still tells me that. <laughs> right. And that's kind of their job. And I'm not mad, but yeah. it's like, oh, OK, so she was like, yeah, find something you can use your brain on because your brain is super, you know, is super there. Your voice and all that. I don't know. Damn. So I was like, mom, you're, um, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, like, and I didn't necessarily even think that she was wrong. It was like, regardless of how good I am at this, like, this is actually just what I want to do. So well, I guess I'm stuck yeah. doing it and I'll just be poor forever. And so you, you start just getting your 10,000 hours in and you're playing shows weekly and, and yes, getting your chops so up. I was playing and- a lot. And then the cafe that I was playing that had that, that station, I was like, mom, you know, this is like a big night. They had like the top three acts come and I was one of them. And they like had like this like special show for the top three. And, um, and uh, she came and cried. So I brought her. No, I don't think she cried. But what happened was she got there and she was sitting down and the lady was like, um, like, who are you here with? And she said she was there with me. And the woman stopped and she was like, no way. <laughs> You're her mother. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It is so nice to meet you. And she like made this huge deal about it. And yeah. I like I wouldn't I wasn't there. So yeah. I was like finding this out in hindsight. I was like, no way. She yeah. likes me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then my mom like came up to me afterward and she's like, hey, maybe like other people like what you do. Like maybe just keep doing <laughs> she's it. She's like, I don't fuck with it, but other people <laughs> do. The first time that my mom really fucked with my music was when I released Memory Speak, which okay. was like the EP I released like a year ago. Yeah. She was like, this sounds like you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, thanks, mom. That's tight. You like it? <laughs> so after the uh, the cafe stuff, like when like when does LA come into place? So then, in one of those, and through just like being around in Texas, um, somebody, one of my friends that was doing musicals and stuff, moved to Los Angeles, and they were like doing plays here, and they were in a play, and they were like, "Hey, we just fired our lead," and you would be perfect for the role. And I wasn't ever actually a theater kid. That wasn't like a thing that I was doing, but I was like, fuck yeah, I'll try. Like, right. do you mean to say I would be out of this state for like a second? Cause I'll do it. <laughs> and so I, uh, he was like, here's the director's information, hit him up, see what he says. So 
I hit him up and I was like, what's the deal? I want to see if I could be considered. And he was like, well, you can only be considered if you audition. And we audition here in L.A., so you're going to have to get here. Right. And I was like, shit, okay. And when do I have to get there? And it was like, um, this was like probably Saturday and I needed to be there on Monday. Wow. So I was like, okay. And I had been working, so I had some money. But right. at the same time, it was like it was a big risk. Gonna be so stupid to spend all this money on a flight and come home with no guarantees with no guarantees not even like a small like not even like a likelihood of me getting this part because i had no theater experience yeah and i was just like whatever i'll just do it because i kind of want to go anyway um so i booked the flight and i got there and i um took a bus to the place where they were doing auditions and I got the part. Where was it in LA? What? They were doing the auditions at Fairfax High School. Oh, okay. And so I got the part and rehearsed with the cast that that day and then I like literally, You were the lead? I was one of the leads. They Giant. have they had a couple. There was like four or five folks people. Mm. The play ran for 13 weeks, so I was here for like a minute. Yeah, yeah. And few, then I just kept staying with like different members of the cast. I didn't have a house really. So I was just like, I would get to rehearse and I'd be like, yo, so, you know, I felt like this like merry-go-round kid. I was like, next, yeah, here you go, yeah, yeah, next. Yeah. And I stayed, I stayed with like everybody. And this and, is what you were like 18, 19? Um, yeah. Wow. I was going on 18. And it was, uh, oh, so you were like still jail bait at the time. Yeah. And so you. <laughs> This is yeah. your and this is your first time in LA ever. Uh-huh. You never visited before. I had visited once when I was much younger. What was and your first I, impression? I wanted to live here so bad. Immediately, as a kid. I I we came on like one of our first family vacations here, and I remember like being in LAX and looking at my mom and being like, I don't know why, but it feels like home here. We used to visit here when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, I'm from Alaska. Say, oh my gosh, yeah, you're say, really far. Yeah, I say that on a lot of podcasts. So everybody knows that, but most people that I talk to don't know that. And so Crazy. I was from Alaska, and, but my grandmother lives in uh, up up the the coast a little bit. And and yeah, we used to come down here. And by the time I was 11, I was like, I'm moving to California. This place is tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you just yeah. know when you're a kid when something feels like home. You, you know get off the airplane and it's like I like it here. Oh yeah. And I had no I had no idea what California meant. I didn't know that this was like the vacation place of the world. Yeah, like yeah. I didn't know all the great things that California offered. Like the creative side of it. I was just like I like it here. It's like you get out and it's like uh, the air is like warm but dry. Like you don't yeah. start sweating instantly. You and just you feel good. Kind of smell the ocean. And yeah, it yeah. Kind of smells fresh and yeah. you're like. I don't know, and like the palm trees looked so cool, and I'd never seen nice. those it's nice before. Here. It's just nice. And then LAX, like the like letters LAX were kind of stacked on that hill, and I was like, that's kind of neat. You know what it was for me? When you leave the airport and you're driving up to the Central Coast, like towards Santa Barbara and Ventura, yeah. when you're kind of passing through the Malibu Hills, and it's like there's those hills where during the summer all the grass is dead, but the trees are green, and it's like this. It looks like a fucking Macintosh screensaver or something. Yeah. Like it's so tight. I was like, man, those hills are the shit. I want to move to California like, yeah. as an 11 year old thinking that. Same. And then yeah. I remember like seeing the hills and having the houses all stacked in yeah. them. And I was oh, just yeah. like, it reminds- wow, the people are living in there. Yeah, it, it reminded <laughs> me of like an Ewok village when I was a kid. I was like, yo, that looks like Star Wars. That's so tight. It kind of reminded me of Sleepy Hollow. And I couldn't remember. I don't know why. Yeah. It just like kind of felt like. Like the fog would just kind of sneak up yeah, in the yeah, night yeah, yeah. and like the trees peeked out and like people's houses were glowing in the hills. It right. was so cool. Yeah. You guys should all be jealous that we live in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's pretty cool here. I love Chicago, but it's nice here. You're here for 13 weeks. 
switching from couch to couch did you find did you have time to record music while you were in the play oh no okay Not so you're, you're really busy with that but then did you have to go back home at all when the play was over or did you just say I hey never, mom send all my shit no my mom never sent my shit i had like seven shirts and like two pairs of pants and they just rotated so if yeah. you knew me for a week you saw everything i owned yeah eventually i left los angeles to go back to chicago and hang out with friends and i remember when my friends graduated high school i spent that time with everybody uh-huh. i went back and like did prom and like did like normal people shit and it was such a amazing feeling That's to know that, that like, you got to go to prom yeah exactly and i remember thinking i never wanted to miss out on being a kid i just i wanted to have a childhood i wasn't super famous so i earned my childhood you know what i mean like i think when you when those kids like become these celebrities and stuff like they have to give up a certain amount of that but i didn't have any reason to give that up and i wanted it and i was like i want to have no, I want to know that I went to prom and did did that. I wish that I had the memories. How did you find of, a prom date on such short notice? Because those were my friends. Like yeah. as soon as they knew I was coming back to Chicago, like it was easy. They were like, "Well, Jamie will take you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Hell yeah, okay, cool." Nice. And and like we were all we might as well have all have been prom dates because it's just like we were together the whole time. You go, you have your prom, and then and then what? You're like, "Sorry guys, I got to go back to LA." Well, then I did. I wanted to go back to Los Angeles because I wanted to. Um, Cause I just liked it here. Um, and I, I was making money. So I was like, all right. Well, Doing I'm the st- play or what? How well, yeah, I, I got paid to do the play yeah. and I started picking up other jobs. Like I was selling guitars and doing really well. Nice. Um, in fact, you play guitar as well. I play guitar, but that's not like one of my main, like, I don't think I'm like excellent at it. What are your main instruments? Well, piano. And weirdly I was like, I like, played saxophone for a long time oh, i don't ever use it which i feel like i should but um but saxophone is a very sexy instrument i feel like the 80s used to have the most sexiest like saxophone breakdowns in every song oh, it's like if you listen to fucking rock songs from the 80s they all had saxophone solos and if you were to do that now people would be like wait why is there an eight bar saxophone solo in the middle of this fucking pop record it makes no sense that, yeah. but in the 80s it was such a sexy cocaine time that like everybody <laughs> fucking had saxophone solos well, saxophone solos and solos in general solos were everywhere you didn't have a song without a solo in it you, yeah for real there's no solos and anymore I think that's there's why no people solos. were like everyone's doing solos i'm not doing solos no more yeah exactly now there's no solos and if you have a solo it's like crazy and i took yeah. my dad to see bob seeger um two christmases ago his fucking saxophone player is like <laughs> his name is literally alto reed wow how's that for a saxophone name but he like is the he was literally the sexiest man on the planet like he yeah. had fucking 40 year old women straight throwing panties and phone numbers at him it was so oh great. my god yeah it was <laughs> I crazy didn't have that. so yeah like when does shit really start getting cracking for you like here's the thing is that like people who don't know of you who are listening in for the first time like mac miller sampled one of your songs and like nah shouted you out on twitter yeah. and like you know like he said he, he said you're one of his favorite artists like when does yeah. shit like that start happening um all that happened like a year and a half two years ago yeah it just like honestly i put an ep on soundcloud and that was the first time i had done that and despite the fact that i spent my the larger part of my youth making music i never felt like any of it was good enough Mm -hmm. and so so you were smart and you waited until you made something good to like make it available to the public 
Yeah. I went on a rant about that on here the other week, and so that's proof in case, motherfuckers. Listen, if you wait until you really know you're good enough, good things will happen. I would totally argue with you on that because I feel like there's something beautiful about allowing people to be part of your process. All right. See, there's 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 uh, definitely different opinions. Most of my friends were the ones that have been releasing music since they were 16, and they have these amazing fans that like literally grew up with them. And I'm the opposite, where like a lot of the people like just know about me from the last year or two years. Yeah. And I feel like. That was definitely my path because my music involved production, involved things and skill sets that I had to mature into. But there are people who like that's not necessarily true for and don't be scared of perfection because that was my problem. And I felt really stifled by that. It's like I had picked such incredible heroes that I was never going to measure up and I wouldn't have put memory speak out. I never would have done that except for the fact that I was working with friends and they were like, Oh yeah, it's on SoundCloud. And I was like, (gasps) so they put it out. Yeah. They put it up. Yeah. Well, that's a poignant statement that you made too about like fans that get to grow with you. Cause like, that's another thing. A lot of people I talk to, they don't realize that I make music too. And, Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, I've been putting it out for a long time and like my fans have definitely grown with me over time and Mm -hmm. they feel like family members you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying but at the same time now because of that i get scared of like them going yo man you're changing bro and it's like and it's like wait but i'm just getting older like of course i'm gonna change you know what i'm saying so that's okay though yeah yeah then those people aren't for you right now yeah so fuck you if you said no i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm down with (laughs) you guys okay like that's like that's part of that's part of the thing that i was like that i kind of came to the conclusion of as i got when i finally released music like i still wouldn't have released it because it would never have been good enough for me and thank god i had friends that were like i'm cutting you off like it's going out deal with it yeah Sometimes you just need somebody to like kick you in the butt and say like, this is good enough. And within, you are good enough. And within like two months of memory speak being up, like people were like, what's your deal? Yeah. Who picked up on it? Like, uh, like a lot of people, like I, what happened was actually kind of interesting. A, I met a publisher and she was awesome and we just had a conversation and I was like not necessarily looking for a publishing deal but it was like I might as well take the meeting and just like see what the deal is and um so I met with this woman and she apparently she liked me because she went on to one of those like music conferences that a lot of A&Rs and music industry label kind of people go to and um they were asking her because she has signed some of like the most influential artists of the last you know decade and they were like how do you know how do you know when you're sitting in a room whether to sign someone or not because she signed alicia keys when she was like 16 and she signed Uh, lady gaga and all these people like before they blew up and Nora jones and like just huge huge artists and um she was like you know i don't know it's just like something about somebody like you just know when you know it and yeah. she's like like this girl nilo that i met the other day like i just knew oh, it and she I was shouted like, you out i was like i didn't even know this but then literally within a week i had every every major label was like what's going on with wow. you what's the deal and i was like on soundcloud like i don't know just put an ep out i don't yeah. really know what i'm doing i didn't really yeah. have any plans so that was really cool like she totally changed my life and yeah. um and from that you know nothing really crazy happened until like I just started getting like blog support and blog love like there was a um I would shout them out because they're kind of the reason I think why I ended up having the song with Mac um was because 
There's a blog in Chicago called Fake Shore Drive, and they're. I was just telling Ben dope. about Fake Shore Drive. That's they're dope. They're such a dope blog. And oh I, my gosh, he loves music, and he has the best taste. Like, yeah, it's such a shout out to Fake Shore blog. Drive. No, I was telling Ben. I was trying to like kind of explain your situation from what I had learned about it from the internet sleuthing for the last two yeah. weeks. And I was like, yeah, like dude, Fake Shore Drive was like hella on it, and, and yeah. gave her really kind words. And he's like, what's Fake Shore Drive? And like, dude, Fake Shore Drive is really one of the most influential blogs right now because it's like so Chicago good. has a scene that's super bubbling right now, and if, everyone out of Chicago. And everyone like out of Chicago has to go through there at some point, you know yeah. what I mean? And if you get in there, like that's he's, yeah. a, he's that's a very influential site. And so, like, yeah, shout out to Fake Shore Drive. I'm down. Shout out to Andrew Barber and Fake Shore Drive. Yeah, shout out. We're shout shouting out. motherfuckers out. Shout out. So Fake Shore Drive gives you some love. One of my friends, Pigeons and Planes, gave you some love. Big like that's uh, a friend of yours. Yeah, Jake. He's a good guy. I've known him very for a long cool. time. He's a good guy. Thank you, uh, Jake. Yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to call him Confusion on the. Like I don't think he gives out his real name. So oh, wait. whoops. Confusion. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Confusion. <laughs> Oh, uh, but anyways, yeah, the blogs love you. People love you. And then fucking Mac Miller samples you. How, like, what does that feel so, like? So because of Andrew Barber yeah. and Fake Shore Drive, they were like running around the office and he like, it's like a real community kind of place. If you ever get to go through Chicago and visit the office, it's like, they just welcome people. It's super chill. And, um, a lot of the people that are involved in music and in the scene out there, like hang out and he was talking to one of the kids who is this awesome producer whose name is Jay Hill and he's like 19 producing crazy shit. And he was, they were like, yo, you should sample Nilo. Mm. She's, you know, this dope Chicago artist and she's like, makes this kind of music. Check it out. You should sample her. And the song they told him to sample, he was like, ah, it's cool, but he never ended up doing it. And then he heard someone like you and he was like, ah, oh. sampled someone like you made a beat. The first person who heard it was Mac Miller. Mm. Mac Miller wrote the song, on top of it and they just dropped it and I didn't know about any of this and I didn't know Jay Hill I didn't know any of these people and then um I started getting people started blowing me up on Twitter like yo that song with Mac is so tight and I was like what I completely ignored it because I had I had no reference for it I just thought people were like just wrong or messing up or something and then the producer hit me up and he's like yo I sampled you on this song with Mac Miller hit me up and I was like, oh, my God. OK, so I go to the YouTube link and there is like the, the my song is like there. And then I hear this rap and that's like this chopped, screwed vocal. And I was going through the comments and I was laughing because everyone thought Mac was singing. <laughs> They're like, yo, <laughs> Mac Miller's singing, man. That's so tight. Oh, I love your voice, bro. Because it was damn, like, damn, Ma had, Mac, your voice is angelic. That's crazy, Mac. Yeah, because they had pitched the whole <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, down. I've and I was like, it, I, I didn't even like, yeah. honestly, I didn't even do anything with it or like tell many people about it because I was like, oh, I sound like a transvestite. Like, I sound like a dude. I didn't I didn't want to tell people. And then I find out like a couple months later that he's going to drop it on his album. And that mm. was such a cool thing. And they dropped it full speed so you can hear the actual song. Oh, nice. What record did it come out on? Um, The watching movies with the sound off. Oh, that's on the new one. Yeah. So my Damn. song is number 14. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah that, that's a big deal right now then. I didn't realize cool. you put that on there. Hey, yep. Congrats. That's Thank fucking you. tight. I know, because it was like, I thought, you know, he sampled it and then boom, it was going to be done. Yeah. And then, then full circle, get to make Well, it makes me too. happy cool. to, like, it makes me happy to hear that, like, you were happy to be sampled. Because, like, I make oh, yeah. a, we make a lot of sample-based music and we sample people, you know, sometimes we hide it real well and sometimes we don't. Mm -hmm. But I always get scared that, like, somebody's going to be mad if we sample them, you know? But it's nice to hear, like, that you're uh, you know, stoked. Everybody around me was mad. And I was like, why? Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's great. I think I understand it in the sense that, like, I got sampled with no credit and I and no like acknowledgement of the fact that they sampled a large part of the song. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, that kind of sucks because, like, you write something and then you and like they receive whatever they receive from it, but you have no part of that. Right. And then I just have to be like, at the end of the day, 
the fact that someone's sampling you means that they really like what you're doing. And well, I was and, and pretty also, excited about that. I mean, that. that's like, that's a good look for you. you know, well, and then when, you put when, it on the when, record and now yeah. I'm like, and now it's a completely different story. Dude, yeah, it's a big look. So that's great. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So how did Nas find out about you? Do you know that story? I don't know how Nas found out about me, but Nas is like, that's probably, I, I go to sleep and I'm like, what the you probably get asked this question like every interview, huh? I feel so basic right now. Um, no, I mean, I, I w- if I was you, I would ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, so you're, you know, you and one of the greatest rappers of all time talks about you. How does that feel? Yeah, like, yeah. I would definitely no, want to know. Tight, and yeah. I can't even give you like a, a good answer because th- like it's hard to really feel that because it's impossible to comprehend like the greatness that Nas is and like my life, like it's hard to put them on the same page, but the fact that I have like this big brother who is like one of the most influential and like just incredible rappers on the planet. Big brother, like what you guys just be chatting on the phone and shit. Yeah. He hits me. I mean, we chat. No, but uh, he, um, he did, he hosted my album release party, which was pretty that's awesome. Tight. Where was that at? It was in Hollywood. It was at the Viper room. Oh yeah. Wow. He was surprised that people would even fit in the Viper room to see you. That's such well, a we small wanted, place. It was a really small invite list. It was like primarily just the people that had made the album with and, me and majors, best close friends. Yeah. And then people that were like on like the PR side that wanted to know or, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then, um, it was supposed to be really, really intimate and really quiet. And then on the day that it happened, Nas shouted it out on Twitter. Whoops. Yeah. So then we were like, oh shit, we have to have a list. And then like in the last like hour before the show, I'm like scribbling names on a piece of paper so that everyone can get in because yeah, cause when a, that only fits out, like, like 100 people in the Viper room, 150 people probably. No, no, it's way bigger than that. You think? Yeah. It's so tiny. It's it's small, but that's like probably 300. Oh, crazy. I would have Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to check on it, but it's I'm not going to argue it, with you. No, but it, it was it was meant to be small. But you, you put 100 people in there and you're going to feel packed for sure. Right. Right. Which was which was cool. And the sound was great. Everything was great. Yeah, it's a great venue. Shout out to the Viper Room. You know, it rest in, pe- shout re- out, shout rest out in peace people. to the River Phoenix. You know, anyhow. So what's next for you? Um, right now, uh, just kind of coming off of releasing the EP called Indigo Summer Yeah, and enjoying like just kind of putting out and sharing music again. Cause Indigo Summer is good. I listened to, you know, I, I fucking actually went through and listened to the record a few times. I was listening on SoundCloud in my car, so I had to like keep pressing my phone to like make sure that they don't get SoundCloud when the phone turns off. out. Yeah. I know. Well, you can change your Fix settings that, in your SoundCloud? phone. SoundCloud? Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> like, uh, I know, that sucks. Yeah, it does. But no, it's a really great record. I, I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, it's dope to like get somebody in that I would like consistently listen to your music in the future and be checking for you. Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, most <laughs> definitely. Uh, yeah, so are you back in the studio again? Are you still a studio um, rat? I'm always kind of in the studio because yeah. I like it there. I'm doing lots of shows, being in the studio, and putting together a tour. So that's exciting. Dope. Gonna Head- be touring he- in September, tour? October. It's like kind of like a co-headliner. I'm gonna do with some friends. And can you say who they are? I. Th- think i'll say who one of them is okay um i'm doing it with jabert forte he's a rapper who's really awesome and and a friend and it's going to be awesome because the whole tour is going to be very thematic and very cohesive and we have songs together and everybody on the tour is going to have like songs together so it's going to feel very family it's not going to feel at all like when you go to hotel cafe and you go and see your band and then you bounce and then some whole other group of people comes in and then bounces. It's going to be a different thing. Like you're going to want to come and see the whole thing because the whole thing's going to make sense. Dope. So that part's really cool. Yeah. And so we're going to hit a bunch of awesome places, like all the way from, you know, Southern California to Canada to, you know, New York and down worldwide. Mm. Shout out to Germany, Sweden. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Worldwide. (laughs) 
<laughs> See you in Japan. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to Japan. Um, so anyhow, um, yeah, we've gone way over an hour already. That's we have? Oh, yeah. It's good, though. That's great when that happens. No, no. It's, it it's fine. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, thank you for hitting me up and and thank you for like I feel behind because I, I started asking my friends about you and they're like yeah you don't know who Nilo is and and, <laughs> and so you know you, you fucking taught me about yourself uh, before anybody else did and so I appreciate that and Thanks for uh, responding. yeah most definitely I'm glad you came in uh, tell the people where they can find you online okay all of my sites are pretty easy to find I have a website it's www.hatenilo.com h a t e n y l o my name is Nilo, N-Y-L-O, and everything's under Hate Nilo. So Hate Nilo on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, which is like one of my favorite sites. So. Yeah. Do you have a band camp page? Like, can people buy your records or they just got to go um, to SoundCloud? I think they're buyable, but they're all free. Yeah. Like, there's a couple that I think are on iTunes, but they're all free. So if you go to www.hatenilo.com, you can download them for free. Yeah. Bang. There you go. So go download both of the EPs. They are great. She's got the voice of an angel and great production. Uh, who does most of your production right now? Um, right now, it's, we didn't even get into that. I do a lot of collaborations, yeah. so it depends. So I always, like, you'll start something, and somebody else will come in and like do fills and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Tight. I've been really lucky because I've been really like strongly influenced by a lot of my friends, so like they're available. You yeah, know? dope. I've definitely worked with some people that I didn't think I'd get to work with, and they're great. But um, right now, it's just friends. Yeah, well, thank you for coming in. My name is Lee. Uh, you guys might know me as Intuition. You can find me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can find my man, Ben, behind the boards making the shit sound buttery at mm. I Am Database, based with two S's. You can find us as a unit on Twitter at That's Kinda Neat, uh, YouTube.com slash That's Kinda Neat, where we're going to see the lovely Nilo perform a song. What song are you going to be performing tonight? I'm going to perform Rent Free. Rent Free. So you guys can find that on the YouTubes, and you can find everything wrapped up into a pretty package at kindaneat.net. Thank you guys for tuning in again for episode whatever number this is. And uh, <laughs> Thank this, you. yeah, this was kind of neat. Very neat. <laughs>